Shuckin' now, that is right. Bienvenidos a la fiesta. Welcome to the party, fellow regulators, friends, and of course my degenerates. Y mi familia in Colombia y España. That's right, 21 countries and counting 500 cities around the world are listening to the Regulators Podcast. And we thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really, really do. But you know what? Today is not about me. Today is about you. Money, 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 money! That is right. Who wants to wait for the government stimulus? We got your stimothies right here. We are doing a huge giveaway on the Twitter page. If you don't follow us already, well, shame on you. But follow us on Twitter, at RegulatorsPod. We are going to do a huge giveaway today and throughout this week. And uh, we got your back because, you know, waiting around on other people sucks. So... If you've got PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, Zelle, Western Union, we'll, we'll send, like, uh, one of those uh, Western Union ponies from, like, back in the day. We'll get the money to you. It doesn't matter. But we're going to have some big contests going on this week. Check us out on Twitter. Follow us and make sure you enter to win some money. So, speaking of money, let's talk about the big news. Dallas Cowboys fans, how's my Dak taste? You happy? You sad? You indifferent? I think most Cowboys fans are elated. They have their franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future. Obviously, as everyone knows by now, four years, $160 million, $126 million guaranteed. Now there is a $66 million signing bonus going to Dak Prescott, which is the highest in NFL history. Um, Dak is going to be a free agent again when he gets to 31 years old, as it stands right now, unless obviously he's extended or something happens before then. So at 31 years old, which is very young by today's NFL standards, he will have the opportunity again to make considerably more money. Now there is a no trade, no tag clause in this contract, so it's not going to be a situation like it was currently where he got tagged multiple years um, and he is going to be able to parlay that into hopefully another big contract for himself. So when I first saw this deal, I immediately said, congrats to Dak. Great deal for Dak. Um, we've talked about it on the show at length. Obviously, we've had the golden boy Sam Rector on the show as well, who's shared his thoughts. And we felt like if Jerry didn't get this done... He's going to go win somewhere else, and it'll be on Jerry, and this will be a very, very bad thing for Dallas. So they wanted to get this done, but as you know, we've talked about all along the 13% rule. You can't handicap your entire franchise to pay your franchise quarterback. There is a middle ground, and you need to find it. And I think the Cowboys did that. I think that on the surface, this looks like an amazing deal for Dak, and it gives him a lot of flexibility a few years down the road, which it still does. However, this is a six-year deal that automatically voids to four. So what does that mean? That means that the Cowboys are able to spread this money over multiple years without taking a serious hit over just those four years. So... Dak Prescott will make $75 million in year one of this contract. So that's huge for Dak. However, the Cowboys were able to structure this in a way that allows them to still keep him on a reasonable uh, payroll for a franchise quarterback. And let me give you an example. Here are the cap hits of NFL quarterbacks for the next three seasons. Matt Ryan... $119 million over the next three seasons. Aaron Rodgers, $105 million over the next three seasons. Uh, Russell Wilson, $109 million over the next three seasons. And Patrick Mahomes, $98.7 million over the next three years. So Dak comes in, as the contract looks like it's structured right now, at $99.6 million over the next three years. That's basically $33 million a year for your franchise quarterback in a year where we know those TV contracts are coming and things are about to go through the roof. So this was a great deal all around. 
for both sides. Much like we talk about the Kansas City deal, which everyone wanted to get hung up on the half a billion dollar contract that will never be a half a billion dollar contract. It, that made sense for Patrick Mahomes. It made sense for the Chiefs. It was very team friendly, etc. This is a similar situation. It's a much shorter contract, so you don't see those huge numbers that uh, everybody's going to go crazy-eyed over. But at the same time, this just it makes a lot of sense. It's a lot of money up front for Dak. They get it done. They get their franchise guy, and now they can start focusing on other issues. And from the team perspective, it's still something that's cap-friendly, and it's, it's going to be a good deal all around. So congratulations to Jerry. Uh, congratulations to the entire front office there. They're much maligned. We're harder on them than, you know, maybe some other people. But I think it's it's due. And, of course, we'll obviously give credit due uh, when they get the right things done. So congratulations to Cowboys fans. You have Dak for another four years. And now uh, try to do something with it. Um, you know, one of the reasons that you don't typically see the voidable years in contracts is because it can leave a team on the hook let's say for example if they trade that player or cut them or something happens uh, before they play out that contract so for example the Jared Goff deal is a perfect example the Rams this year have over 20 million I think it's like 22 million in dead cap uh, dead money that they have because Jared Goff got traded away and they had extra money on that contract still so that's kind of a situation where you have to play that risk and um, see whether you want to put voidable years uh, on a contract or not. But the Cowboys did it, and they're moving forward. So at the time of broadcasting this show, there was a lot of things still happening. Franchise tags being uh, placed and uh, players being released, different information. So we will try to give you the best information that I have available to me at the time of recording this. So, at the time of recording this, Chris Godwin was franchised by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, he is not going to be going anywhere. There was talk that maybe Brady wanted OBJ and some other things um, happening to get uh, more riches to Tampa Bay because, you know, they were so short on them this year. Uh, but Chris Godwin will be staying in Tampa Bay. He would have been a much sought-after free agent this year. But, Obviously, Tampa puts the franchise tag on him. The New York Giants have also placed the franchise tag on Leonard Williams. Um, Chicago placed the franchise tag on Allen Robinson, which, you know, that, that poor man is just, he, he can't escape. And I'm sure Chicago Bears fans are happy that they don't need to worry about losing him. Um, at the same time, I hope they have a plan to upgrade the quarterback position because you look at the quarterbacks that Allen Robinson has played with throughout his entire career and what he has been able to do under those circumstances, and he is an undervalued, underappreciated wide receiver that was about to get mad paid this year. Now, obviously, Chicago will continue to work on that and see if they can get a long-term deal with him done as well, which I think will relate to what they do at the quarterback position. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to pull off some kind of blockbuster trade or what they're able to do moving forward with the quarterback position. Uh, the New Orleans Saints also put the franchise tag on Marcus Williams. And um, there were a couple other players uh, that I, I was just about to jump on the air that I didn't happen to catch, but those are obviously some of the bigger ones. Uh, Carlos Dunlap was released by the Seattle Seahawks, so that's a big name to watch out for now on free agency. Hassan Reddick, a lot of people thought might get the franchise tag uh, in Arizona. He had 12 and a half sacks last year, but he did not receive the tag either. Neither did Chris Carson with the Seahawks, Hunter Henry uh, with the Chargers, Kenny Galladay with the Lions, or uh, Jonu Smith with the Titans. So all those guys are heading to free agency at the time of this podcast, and um, it's going to be wild next week. I am going to uh, be sitting on pins and needles with all my notifications turned on and trying to get this information out to you guys as fast as possible. That's why, again, if you follow us on Twitter 
at Regulators Pod. I mean, we get this stuff out cranking. I have most of my graphics packages ready to go where I just got to kind of plug in information and, and some of the details, and, and we get the stuff out to you as quick as possible. Um, one of the other moves that happened yesterday was Isaiah Wilson was traded from the Tennessee Titans to the Miami Dolphins. Now, this one's really interesting. So Isaiah Wilson was the 29th pick in last year's draft. He was a first-round offensive lineman. And he ended up having a DUI during the season. He got a suspension. Uh, He ended up the season on the non-football-related injury list. But this is a guy who was a first-round draft pick less than a year ago. He's 6'6", 300 pounds. Um, And it's been interesting to follow kind of the conversation on NFL Twitter over all of this because you see a lot of people say this is a great deal for uh, Chris Greer and Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins to basically get a first-round pick for nothing. So the trade exchanged was they swapped seventh-round picks. So Miami gave up their seventh-round pick this year for Isaiah Wilson and Tennessee's seventh-round pick next year. So a swap of seventh-round picks is basically free compensation. That's that's practically nothing, um, especially for a team that doesn't expect to be a bottom-dweller in the NFL. That seventh-round pick is, is going to be not worth a lot. Um, so you get to take a chance on Isaiah Wilson, who... I, I don't understand why a lot of people say, oh, you know, someone with character issues, we don't we don't need this hassle, like, we don't need to uh, go through these kind of things. Like, do you guys forget where Darren Waller was before he reclaimed his career and became what he has become out in Vegas and how he turned his career around and some of the other people who have gone through the same situation? But, I mean, Darren Waller's the most recent one that comes to recollection. You're talking about getting a first-round talent for nothing. And there's obviously ties there because he went to the same high school in Brooklyn that Brian Flores did, his new head coach. And Brian Flores obviously believes that, you know, he can turn this guy into what he was supposed to be, a first-round potential offensive lineman. So I think anybody who thinks this is a bad decision by the Miami Dolphins just really doesn't understand the compensation that was given up, which was basically nothing. Um, For the Tennessee Titans, it's a much harder look. You know, someone you took just a year ago, and then, you know, you already have to basically give up on that person. So that was another move that happened this week. Um, Got into some interesting conversations on Twitter about uh, compensation package, right? With free agents just in general. Because we talk about how um, free agency in general is you get overpaid. A lot of free agents get overpaid, as someone else pointed out. Yes, you know, it's, it's rarely the case that a huge free agent contract works out to the team's benefit long term. Um, a lot of those teams, they sign those big splash guys to $60, $70 million contracts, and then they're getting rid of them only a year or two later. We know what the NFL stands for, not for fucking long. Um, but having said all of that, you know, I think even the players that still stay with their teams and try to restructure deals and everything, especially the quarterback position, There's a lot of conversation that revolves around players who need to go get their money and get paid and get their bag, and then obviously doing things that would benefit the team as a whole. Now listen, I am not advising anybody to not do what is best for them, what's best for their family. If it's time for you to get paid, then go get paid. But there is a fair to good opportunity that there will be a decision between I can go get paid by Team A and they will absolutely pay me more than staying with this team or going to another team. But that other team who's going to pay me less has a better run organization and we're probably going to compete for championships each year. Which one of those is more important to me? And neither answer is wrong. To be very clear, neither answer is wrong. It's whatever is best 
for you. Now, having said that, I uh, was having an interesting conversation with someone earlier because I posted a meme about how Tom Brady continues to take pay cuts or to make a certain amount of money below that 13% threshold that we talk about all the time, and he continues to win championships, and then you have these other players who go get their bag of money, and then they say, wow, how does he do it? Um, so it's it's a very valid point, right? And then people started commenting, and it gets into that conversation of, well, Tom Brady's in a different financial position. You know, he has a rich wife, and he doesn't need as much money. And so, Okay, first of all, that's, that's all bullshit, because anybody who is at the top of their game, who is a premier franchise quarterback is in a good financial position okay let's not act like any of them are are hurting for money they're they're doing okay but you look at the fact that tom brady has not made a lot of money in his career individually through the years like yes collectively as a whole because he's played for two fucking decades of course he's got a fucking giant uh scrooge mcduck uh, swimming pool at the house where he just dives through his money. But the point is that you look at the contracts that he makes where throughout his career he's making 7 mil a year, 9 mil a year, 14 mil a year, 18 mil a year was really pushing it. And then, you know, this past year where he's in that 25 million uh, range. But again, still stays under that golden rule number because he knows the number. Drew Brees knows the number. A lot of these guys who are competitive year in, year out and have competitive uh, teams around them, they understand this. So you guys have to appreciate, and again, I can appreciate the quarterbacks who go out and get their money and deserve their money, but I mean, look at the Chiefs. Look at what the Cowboys just did with Dak Prescott. You can have the best of both worlds. If you do it smartly, you can have the best of both worlds. But we need to take a look at the things as a whole, as the whole picture. And we'll come back to the salary cap a little bit later in the show. Um, but just keep that in mind. So when free agency hits and you're a little bit upset that your team didn't overpay for a star running back, wide receiver, edge rusher, and you know, then you look at the contract and see that they got $120 million over four years and they're not even a quarterback, and you have to say, well, we can probably spend that money better. So that brings us to the next portion of the show. Now, I asked you guys to send me your fan questions, as we do for some of the shows, and I would do my best to answer them uh, on the podcast. So, first of all, thank you to the fans who have normal uh, names and normal handles that I can pronounce. If your handle on Twitter is underscore, asterisk, like, question mark, whatever, like, I, I can't. I'm not going to spend 20 minutes going through that, bro. Like, keep a keep a simple fucking name, something that I can give people to look you up or at least give you a shout-out. Other than that, you know, you're kind of SOL. But here were some of the good questions that I got from fans uh, regarding this week to read on the podcast. So the first one comes from Four Starters Podcast. Uh, they said, should Godwin explore free agency? Now, I had a whole workup ready for this, but before we went on the show, we saw that uh, Chris Godwin got uh, tagged by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, I think the answer to that question is technically yes. I think it'd be great for him to explore free agency. Unfortunately, the Tampa Bay Bucks had other fans, but thank you for listening and submitting your question anyway. Now, at Wilson27 said, if Russell Wilson is able to end up with the Chicago Bears... Does that make Allen Robinson stay? And also, does that make them immediate playoff contenders? Now, obviously, we know part of that question because Allen Robinson has been tagged and he will not be going anywhere. Um, but to answer the next part, even though it is hypothetical and very speculative, if Russell Wilson does make it to the Chicago Bears, of course they become immediate playoff contenders. And uh, even, you know, I would say potential Super Bowl uh, possibility. Listen, 
you have to remember that the Chicago Bears went to the NFC Championship game with Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy. And they still have Matt Nagy, and their defense can still be uh, a very formidable uh, force to face. And you add Russell Wilson to that, are you kidding me? Of, of course they would be a very competitive team in the NFC. Um, now that obviously remains to be seen, and whether Russ will stay in Seattle and this was all just a bunch of hot air, or whether he gets moved somewhere remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah, that, that would be huge. Anywhere Russell Wilson goes, anywhere Deshaun Watson goes, anywhere that gets one of those two caliber quarterbacks is, of course, going to immediately improve, and their Super Bowl odds in Vegas are going to move with the quickness. So... Next fan question that we have is from at Real Fantasy God says, Will Cincinnati be aggressive in free agency this year? Um, I want to say yes, right? Because uh, as, as he points out, they do have the money. Um, they are one of the teams that has tens of millions of dollars in cap this year, which is something not a lot of teams do. However, it looks like at the time of this show that they were not going to be using their franchise tag. They weren't going to tag anybody on the team, which means they could lose a few players due to free agency, which now means you have to spend, obviously, some money to retain those players, and then you have to figure out who you can go after. Now... In my opinion, I would be going ham on offensive line. We saw earlier today that Kyle Long is returning to the NFL, and he is supposedly fully healthy, shredded, ready to go. And uh, you're talking about a Pro Bowl lineman that could um, add depth to that line. And everyone's wondering what's going on with Joe Thunny, where he's going to end up. Um I think there's a lot to be said for spend every draft pick and every dollar you have in Cincinnati on the offensive line. Obviously, I'm being a little bit facetious, um, but not by much. I think that what they did to Joe Burrow his rookie year was an embarrassment, and it should be a crime. Like, someone should be charged for it. So, yes, I would expect the Bengals to be active in free agency, and I would hope that they spend most of it on non-sexy picks. So not a bunch of playmakers, not necessarily a huge overpaid edge rusher or something like that. You know, add some depth is fine, but I think they need to go all in on that offensive line and not end up in a Russell Wilson situation, not end up in a Deshaun Watson situation, not end up in a Ryan Tannehill with the Dolphins situation. I think that they need to go full force on that offensive line. So my answer would be yes, and hopefully they spend it wisely in the right places. Um, one of the other things that we did this week that we like to do a lot of weeks is we'll post a picture on the Twitter page and we'll ask you guys uh, to give us your opinions of what said person does for a living. So this year, or excuse me, this week, we took a picture of Dan Campbell in his nice suit and we posted it on the Twitter page and said, what does this man look like he does for a living? Wrong answers only. And I promised that I would read some of the good ones uh, on the podcast, so here's here's what our Twitter followers think that Dan Campbell looks like he does for a living. Um, at Exclusivity says, Dan Campbell looks like a sales manager at City Furniture. Definitely could see that. I could see that. Um, Avi Witz says, Dan Campbell owns the biggest CrossFit gym in Beloit, Wisconsin. So, definitely something I, I could also see. Um... At JF79 says, Dan Campbell looks like a retired Major League Baseball pitching legend who now teaches P.E. in his hometown high school. I can see that. Um, at Cody O'Day 84 Dan Campbell is one of those guys that takes turns slapping each other in the face professionally. Um, if you've seen that, uh, that is now officially a sport. And uh, sometimes it's a good watch. It's on ESPN 8, the Ocho. 
give it a give it a check out when you get the chance. Um, at Barstool Emmy says Dan Campbell looks like a GNC regional manager. Um, definitely looks like it fits the picture. And finally, at Mountaineer Cat says Dan Campbell is a retired member of the Christian weightlifting group called Power Team 2.0, who travels to elementary schools around the nation ripping thousands of phone books in half. Well done. Well done at Mountaineer Cat. Uh, so those are some of our fan submissions on the show. And remember, you guys you guys make this world go round. So I, I appreciate it. Really, I do. And, um, you know, I'm going to find some more ways to hook you up, including giving you some fucking money this week. You like that, don't you? Um, yeah, we're going to hook you guys up. And in addition to money, I got a whole bunch, like thousands of regulators, podcast stickers. So if you want some... Hit us up on Twitter, and we'll find a way to get you some, I promise. Um, if you live in another country, you know, like Ben and some of these other people that have me spending uh, freight charges and out-of-the-country international shipping charges, you know, we might have to work something out, but I'll, I'll do my best to dig out of my own pocket, and we'll get you some swag if you need it. Um, moving on, though, you know, as we look forward to the new league year that's about to start, um, there's some important things that I think you guys should remember. First and foremost, let's remember that a lot of these people are going to lose their jobs this week. And these are people with families and lives. And while it's easy to say, oh, they make millions of dollars, I don't feel bad for them. At the same token, imagine if you woke up tomorrow and found out you were out of a job or that you got traded to Phoenix, Arizona and now you're going to work at that location. You know, the emotions that you would go through. And so sometimes to see people kind of cheering the the termination of somebody uh, can be a little off-putting, to say the least. So I, I, I'm sure we can have these conversations without being total degenerates, you know, worse than we actually are. Um, but that's my first thing. The second thing, and this is the most important thing, is I need you all to remember that it is full-fledged lying season, and buyers are liars. The teams, the agents, everybody is playing everybody. Everybody's using each other. They're using Schefter. They're using Rappaport. Everybody is leaking stuff here and there to try to move the needle in one direction or another. We actually tweeted out something today, a whole bunch of screenshots from several accounts that all said four of the top wide receiver free agents would end up on the exact same team. One said, you know, Juju was going here. One said uh, T.Y. Hilton. They all predicted these wide receivers separately going to the same team, which obviously they can't all be right. So this is one of those things where people float a bunch of junk out there and then they're going to retweet the ones they're right about and delete and forget about the ones that they're wrong about. So it's fine to interject opinion and to take guesses based on things that would make sense. But you know what? There's a lot of people who would like you to believe that they have the answers that don't have the first clue what's going on. And a lot of that's because most of the organizations don't know what's going on. And a lot of it waits for certain dominoes to fall. But just remember, it's lying season. So don't believe every hot take and everything that comes out the second that it comes out. Just wait, be patient, let the process play out. The next thing I want to say is that, you know, the CBA states that 48% of revenue made by all of the NFL teams, and this includes jerseys, this includes ticket sales, this includes TV revenue, everything, all of the revenue, 48% of it goes to salaries. And that's how they come up with the salary cap each year. Obviously, this year is going to be a little bit different because of the money that got lost uh, last season, which is why it's going to float somewhere around $181 million is the guess right now. And we're still waiting for that hard number. Um, but with the big TV revenues closing in, the cap is going to explode in the next couple of years. I mean, it is going to explode. So that means get your deals done now. I'm talking to you, Buffalo Bills. That Josh Allen deal, get it done now. Baltimore, Lamar, get it done now. Cleveland, if Baker's your guy, 
get the deal done. Even Kyler Murray is going to come up soon for Arizona, and they're going to want to get that deal done. TJ Watt, Pittsburgh, get the deals fucking done now because I'm telling you that price is going to go so through the roof that these Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes contracts are going to look like nothing once that cap explodes. So the the smart money, the smart front offices, they're going to find a way to get it done sooner rather than later. The next point that I have is there are nine teams this year in the NFL with $35 million or more to spend. There are nine teams in the NFL with currently negative projected cap money for the 2021 season. And there are 14 teams in total that have 18 that have 8 million or less to spend. So that means if you're one of the nine teams at the top with 35 million or more to spend, you are going to get a bang for your buck. You are going to see teams be able to get deals like never before and in order to try to circumvent that, the teams at the bottom are going to try to backload contracts like you have never seen before. Typically, the NFL teams try to front load a lot of contracts because the money at the end, we know that they're never going to see anyway. They're, they're just going to cut those contracts, and the players know that as well. So that's why a lot of those deals work out the way that they do. Most players aren't going to sign huge backloaded contracts, especially if the guarantees aren't in there or if there's no penalties there where uh, the team is going to be able to walk away from that money. So that's what the teams are going to try to do that aren't at the top, but I truly believe that you are going to see, of course you're going to see some overpayments. You're going to see a team that just, they really wanted this guy, they did whatever it took, and, and they just overpaid for a player. But... I think you are going to see some sexy deals, especially in that mid-tier, kind of right on that Pro Bowl kind of cusp of players. I think you're going to see some sexy, sexy deals get done where uh, the GMs and some front offices are going to be able to get the deal of a lifetime because they're the teams that have cap room to spend. So Jacksonville, Indianapolis, like I'm looking at you. If you don't take that money that you have and go shopping like it's the last night of your life, then I don't know what you're doing because this is the year to do it. Spend it now. So having said that, the next thing I will tell you about the offseason is your offseason wish lists that I'm seeing on Twitter are setting you up for failure. You guys think that you're at Chick-fil-A and it's like, yeah, can I get a name for the order? Yeah, it's Twitter GM, and I'd like a uh, Deshaun Watson, a large Najee Harris, a side of Jalen Waddell, uh, give me some Kenny Galladay on the side, and uh, Diet Coke. That is not going to fucking happen. And you're setting yourself up for failure. You need to look at all the other players that are available. You need to look at your team needs. You need to look at the fran- uh, the salary cap and whether your team's using the franchise tag on anybody. There's so much that goes into this. And if you only look at the sexy names that are thrown around on the four-letter networks and er everywhere else, then you're going to be really, really disappointed. When in reality, there's a lot of teams that are going to do very, very well this offseason, and they may not take that number one most sought-after, quote, free agent who's probably going to get overpaid anyway. It's okay. It doesn't mean you lost and the season is a waste, I assure you. And the last thing I will add heading into the new league year is that tied into what I just said, you don't know as much as you think you do, neither do I, neither does even Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport, who are the most plugged-in, juiced-in guys on the planet, because I'm telling you there are things that are in the works in NFL agencies where they are already thinking about in the third round of the draft trading to acquire a different player if such and such players on the board or if this if that there's so much that's going to happen as the draft happens and 
as we move through free agency and what happens the second that a blockbuster trade gets done where Russell Wilson is on the move or Deshaun Watson's on the move or somebody we haven't even you know, had at the top of the media list, Derek Carr, any, any one of these guys. I mean, nobody was talking about a, a Jared Goff and a Stafford trade, but then it happened. So there are so many things that happen that then all of a sudden propel other teams into action. So take it with a grain of salt. Enjoy the ride. It's going to be a hell of an off season, and I think it's going to be one like we've never seen before. So we're excited to cover the entire thing and be here with you every step of the way. Um, but don't, don't get too upset, you know, if you don't land whatever free agent or whatever draft pick, if your team's on the clock and they didn't take the running back that you wanted, it's okay. They get paid a lot of money. Some of them, I get it, do better jobs than others, but you know, let's, let's let them handle this and then we'll, we'll talk about it after the fact. Now, one of the things that's also coming up this month is the owners have a meeting March 30th to the 31st, and they're going to be discussing things like uh, new rule changes and different things that they want to implement around the league in the NFL. So I wanted to talk about a few things that will be on the docket and could actually be interesting. So first and foremost, one of the things that's been suggested is new overtime situation. So right now the NFL has obviously the quote sudden death situation where I, I call it quote sudden death because obviously if the first team to get the ball in overtime gets a field goal then the other team gets a chance to score and if they don't then obviously the team who kicked the field goal first wins. So it's not true sudden death right? True sudden death is first team that scores wins that's it it's over. Um, but it has somewhat of a uh, sudden death uh, characteristic to it. Now, the new changes that have been suggested uh, have been brought forth by the Baltimore Ravens, and there's a couple of different scenarios. So the first one is a spot and choose, and the way that this works is a, a little bit, um, it's unconventional to say the least. So the way it would work is when you win the coin toss in overtime, Instead of saying whether you want to kick or receive, you would pick the yard line that the ball would be placed at. So, for example, you could say on your own 10-yard line would be where the ball would be placed. And then the other team gets to choose whether they want to be on offense and have to go 90 yards or whether they want to be on defense and then defend the team who's backed up in to their own end zone. So this would be very interesting because it would start to take into account you'd really have to look at your personnel, right? You look at all those years where uh, Belichick deferred, you know, sometimes he would even do it in overtime and people thought that was wild, but he knew that if he got you with inside the 20, there was more than a 50, probably a 65% chance that he was going to be able to get the ball back and then go down and score versus... If he got the ball back, his offense was only maybe 50-50 to go down the field and score. So this is interesting because obviously it takes away the kickoff entirely, so there would be no kickoff in overtime. The team who wins a coin toss would say, okay, we'll put the ball at the 25-yard line. And then the other team gets to say, all right, well, we want to take it from the 25-yard line, or, well, we'll defend you and you can have it at the 25 to start. And it would be fascinating to see which coaches decide to pick which yard line and, and how they play that out, it, it would add a whole new dynamic to uh, overtime. So that would be very interesting. Now, one of the caveats that comes with it is the spot and choose could have multiple formats. One would be under the sudden death rules. The other is a proposal that actually shortens overtime instead of 10 minutes, which remember it was shortened from 15 minutes to 10. And then now it would actually shorten the time to 7 minutes and 30 seconds in overtime, but there would be no sudden death. So in this scenario, whoever has the most points after 7 minutes and 30 seconds of time would be the winner. And obviously if it's still a tie game, then it would count as a tie the way it normally does in regular season, unless, of course, it was postseason, and then 
you know, you play till there's a winner. Um, but it's interesting. This has the support of Bill Belichick, the seven minutes and, and 30 second non uh, sudden death scenario in overtime, which I'm sure a man is well versed in analytics and stats and things like that, that he would have his reasons. Uh, he's the one who always said that he believes that half of the uh, things that go into the game and the nuance is things like clock management and trying to uh, give the ball back to the other team with as little time as possible. So if it's not a sudden death scenario, that means now you are playing clock games. So you're trying to bleed the clock before you give it back to the other team, etc. Um, and all those things would take into account in overtime, which I'm sure he feels that him and his team are better versed and better prepared for. Uh, but it's interesting. So I'd, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on the overtime proposals. You know, drop us a line, of course, at RegulatorsPod on Twitter, and uh, tell us if you like either of these proposals, what you think of them, um, which one you favor. And then another one of the proposals that's being brought to the table is the ability to review roughing the passer penalties, which I am in favor for because... There's very few things that I think you shouldn't be able to review. If you've got the flag and you can challenge a couple of plays, then you, you should be able to uh, review roughing the passer penalty. And I'm fine with saying, listen, if it's those ones where, okay, did he take two steps and then hit him? If it's really on the line, then just go with whatever the original call was. But we've seen these egregious, egregious roughing the, pen, the passer penalties that are just total bullshit man and they completely changed the dynamic of the game late in the game and it's just like we have the technology we have the ability to get this right why can't we get this right so i'm all for that and i i hope that that goes through and gets approved um one of the other ones that's been proposed is the onside kick this was obviously brought up last year as well and it didn't go through but it's a same similar variation of the onside kick where instead of trying to pull off an onside kick uh, the team would get a fourth down and 15 and the opportunity to try to convert the fourth and 15 or obviously turn the ball over to the other team so if it's the fourth quarter and you're down you can go for a fourth and 15 and if you make it, then you get to keep the ball. So not sure how I feel about that one. Uh, that's something we're going to dive into later on in the offseason as we go through a lot of analytics and stats and, and try to see what uh, what the probabilities might be there and, and what the effect would be on the game. But I'd, lo I'd love to hear your thoughts. And finally, uh, a proposal that's been brought to the table by the Buffalo Bills, and this one I think is fantastic. And this is that no staff hires until after the Super Bowl. I think this is just a phenomenal recommendation, and I think the league should implement this immediately. Because here's what happens, right? You get the teams that are 0-12 or, you know, they're 4-8, and and they fire their head coach with a few games left in the season. They have the opportunity to jumpstart that search. So they start looking for the player or the coaches that they would like to add to their staff. And sometimes when you're still competing for the playoffs and you're on a good team and you know maybe you're going to the Super Bowl, you may not want to focus on looking for your next job. You may want to focus on preparing your team to try and win a championship. In addition to that, You've got teams that may be waiting out for a coach that's on a team that's still in the playoffs like this year with, you know, the Chiefs or um, the Buccaneers and hoping that that coach is going to be your future head coach. In the meantime, other teams are hiring coaches and now you're kind of left with, well, if we don't get this guy, we're really up a creek because everyone else is hiring their coaches. I think it should be exactly like the Buffalo Bills suggest, after the Super Bowl, it's open season. You want to make new hires? Good. Everybody's off now. Everybody has the same opportunity. Every team can 
interview any candidate they want. They don't have to wait for an off day in between playoff games and all kinds of weird shit. Like, let's make this happen. It makes sense for so many more reasons that I won't even get into. But I think this should be something that the NFL should move on. Now, to get any of these proposals okayed, uh, they need 24 of 32 owners to vote yes. So we'll have to see how the owners feel and, and how it comes out. Sometimes they will table something to their May meeting, um, but we'll find out obviously more at the end of March when they get together for their annual meeting. Now, one of the things that you guys may not be aware of is uh, we have the website fully up and running now at regulatorspod.com. And we are finally starting to get some articles pumping, and a lot of stuff is building towards the draft, which we are preparing for. As some of you who have listened to this show kind of from the beginning have known that Justin Snyder has outpicked every mock drafter ever, um, at least the ones in recorded history, the ones that we can find on the internet, the ones that we can score, the Daniel Jeremiah's, the Mike Mayox, the Mel Kuypers. He outmocks them all. And it's just really a joke that he's not working for a um, NFL organization. So having said that, he has started to do his breakdowns for position by position. And he's going to be dropping those articles over the weeks leading up to the draft. And then, of course, he'll be on the show to talk about uh, where he ranks everybody as a whole and where he sees each uh, potential player going and he will do his one and only 1.0 mock draft and that's it all these other guys who do 27 versions and we're we're not here for that we're not here for the clickbait you know us if you listen to us we're we're, we're not about that garbage um we just want to give you uh, as much information as we can and try to shed some insight where possible so he's working on a lot of his draft coverage um, but he has already dropped his quarterbacks list uh, with his his top 10 quarterbacks and his breakdown of all the quarterbacks, and he has also completed his running backs list, which I believe is up live now on the website as well. So check that out, and he will have a position-by-position position, uh, chart coming as we approach the draft. But I'll give you a couple of, of the highlights from his coverage uh, just before we end off the show here. With the quarterbacks, obviously you guys know all of the big names. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones. Um, but there's a lot of talent there that could go in some of the later rounds as well. He did a nice write-up on Kyle Trask from the University of Florida. 6'5", 240 pounds. I think he was just under 69% uh, of his passes completed this year. And... Uh, 4,283 passing yards, 43 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Um, works through his progressions, and J-Man says that he's not afraid to put it into tight windows and uh, get aggressive when it needs to be. Uh, J-Man's knocks were that Trask needs to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker, and uh, how is he going to be able to handle an NFL-style offense? So that's a question that he has. Um, another quarterback that obviously you've heard J-Man talk about before even going into this season was Jamie Newman, which is the transfer from Wake Forest. He had transferred to Georgia, but then obviously opted out due to COVID concerns. Um, he's got a good deep ball. He had 2,800 yards uh, passing, 26 touchdowns, and then 574 yards on the ground with another six touchdowns. He's got athleticism. Um J-Man has brought up that the offense wasn't very complex at Wake Forest, and he obviously would have picked up a lot at Georgia, and it would have been a good opportunity for him, but he wasn't able to realize that opportunity. But still somebody that could go in the draft and um, make a name for himself in the NFL. And then the last quarterback that I'll touch on that J-Man brought up in his article was uh, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. Nearly 10,000 yards in four years uh, with Texas A&M. In 2020, he had 19 touchdowns to three interceptions, and he improved statistically in mo most of his categories year after year, uh, including his accuracy. J-Man says that he needs some development, possibly a strong veteran presence. 
um, and his ability to read the field has been a question mark, but could be a good developmental project for an NFL franchise. And then I'll just touch on a couple of the running backs that J-Man mentioned. Again, you know the Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, uh, Javante Williams, all of those guys. Um, but if you read Justin's articles, you'll, you'll see a lot of the guys that maybe you're not hearing about so much, like uh, Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis. Uh, he was a red shirt sophomore, 5'11", 190 pounds in 2019. He had 100-plus all-purpose yards in every single game but one, and he was fourth in total scrimmage yards. But then again, just like Jamie Newman, he opted out for 2020. So uh, he lacks a little bit of size but explosive playmaking ability, and you can read the write-up uh, that J-Man put on regulatorspod.com. And uh, Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma. So this kid's got an interesting story so six foot tall 246 pounds he runs a 4.6 he's not blazing fast um, but he's got a solid frame he's hard to bring down he had 2,000 yards in juco after he broke his foot his senior year of high school so he had some he missed his entire uh, senior season in high school and uh, ended up at a junior college but he went so ham that he got a bunch of power five offers and chose Oklahoma ultimately um, some people have brought up uh, character questions but J-Man says that the talent is there and this kid could be uh, electric for the right team so be sure to check out regulatorspod.com lots of great articles including obviously J-Man's write-ups on the quarterbacks the running backs and more positions to come we are giving away fucking money people so check out the Twitter page at Regulators Pod. And at the end of all of it, I just hope you guys have a good day. I hope you have a good week. And I'm blessed and happy that I get to talk about football for an hour a week and talk to you guys. And then, of course, hours every single day and night on Twitter and just engaging with you guys. I appreciate it. I really do. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Have a good one. Regulators! Regulators!